global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. Stocks lower all about the banks. Deutsche Bank shares, they're tumbling 7% right now. And this update is brought to you by Instinct Options from Bank of America, Merrill Lynch. Capture liquidity in U.S. equity and index options trading by unleashing the in-depth market insights and adaptive algo strategies of instinct options. That's the power of global connections. Stocks are falling, banks retreating amid growing concern that Deutsche Bank's woes will spread to the global financial sector. The S&P 500 index off its session lows down 13 now, a drop of six-tenths of one percent to 21.57. NASDAQ down 35, a decline there of seven-tenths of one percent. Dow Industrials down 142 points, a drop of eight-tenths of one percent. Tenure up 3.30 seconds, yield 1.56%. Gold up 2.30 the ounce to 13.21, a gain there of two-tenths of one percent. Crude oil, West Texas Intermediate advancing 1.3%, up 61 cents, 47.66 a barrel on WTI. I'm Charlie Pellet, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio. Whose set-top box is it anyway? Kyle Daly is a senior reporter for Bloomberg BNA, joining us from Arlington, Virginia. Bloomberg BNA, a wholly owned subsidiary of Bloomberg, a leading source of legal, regulatory, and business information for professionals. Bloomberg BNA's authoritative coverage spans a full range of legal practices, and in this case, we're paying attention to the Federal Communications Commission delaying today's vote on a contentious proposal to open the pay TV set-top box market to competition. Kyle, thank you very much for being with us. Outline exactly what is at stake here and what did or did not happen today. Sure. So this proposal would open the set-top box market to third parties. What that means is the sort of big clunky set-top box that you rent from Comcast or Time Warner Cable or Charter, uh, you would be able to replicate that experience on a Roku thumb drive or you know any sort of third-party device that plugs into your TV. Uh, so there's been a lot of back and forth about this for months now, and um, FCC Chairman Tom Wheeler finally arrived at uh, sort of a revision of an earlier proposal that uh, would adopt an app space uh, approach, which which just means, you know, again, a Comcast, they'd make an app that replicates that whole experience of flipping around channel to channel, and then Google or Roku or whoever would be able to put that uh, into their device. Now, there uh, was still a provision in there that would get the FCC involved in licensing, and, you know, we're trying to do some tea leaf reading because this is a pretty closed process, Mm -hmm. but what seems to be happening is that that's kind of a sticking point, and um, there there seems to be some willingness for for compromise, but they they didn't quite get there uh, in time for a vote this morning. Okay, Kyle, this is and this and your story very clearly points out how this licensing question is so central to the story. You point out that in the hearing, the um, Republican commissioners came out against the licensing provision. The Democratic commissioner uh, said, uh, "Let me be candid with you." 
problems with licensing. I think this the FCC is getting a little bit too involved in the licensing here. She said she did not see that the FCC has this authority. What is it about the licensing language? Break this down for us. Why is it so complicated and contentious? Well, that's that's another thing that kind of makes this uh, hard to track is that we don't know exactly. Um, what's been released so far is a fact sheet that just kind of says, okay, here's what we would do. So what they would do as far as you know, anyone outside the FCC uh, can understand is they would set some sort of standard for um, licensing between uh, copyright owners and PPD providers and then sort of how, you know, just have a standard there and then create an independent oversight board um, so that basically to to ensure that these devices are sticking to the terms of uh, licensing agreements between copyright holders and a Comcast or, or a charter um, and uh, ensure that, that those aren't violated and, and make sure that sort of licensing across the board seems to be, you know, reasonable and, and, and sort of, you know, all parties are happy with it. Beyond that, we don't know exactly how that would work. What we do know is that, you know, we've gotten used to uh, in the last few years to become a very partisan FCC um, most items sort of fly under the radar and still, you know, pass uh, without too much ceremony. But we see a lot of, especially on, on these sort of big ticket things of, of split votes where the Democratic majority votes one way, the Republicans vote the other way. Um, Kyle Daly, thank you so very much for joining us. He's senior reporter for Bloomberg BNA, uh, joining us to talk about the FCC's uh, decision on a contentious proposal to open the pay TV set top box market. Mark Niquette joins us now, politics and national government reporter for Bloomberg News. And Mark, I want to dive in uh, to one of our latest Bloomberg polls and stories. Hillary Clinton's turnout challenge seems like in some ways that could be bigger than her Donald Trump challenge. Yeah, particularly among certain groups that she really needs to be behind her uh, if she's going to win uh, in, in key battleground states, and that is uh, millennials, uh, younger voters, and African-American voters. You know, the polls consistently show that these uh, two groups, you know, overwhelmingly back her, like her better than Donald Trump, but they're less likely to vote. There's, there's not as much enthusiasm in some cases uh, among millennials. Um, when you introduce the third-party option, they're more likely to vote third-party than they are to vote for Clinton, even if they don't like Donald Trump. Is that really going to hurt Clinton in the outcome when you look at electoral votes? It could matter, like I said, in some of these battleground states. Uh, I'm based in Ohio, and that's definitely a concern here, that if you have a close race, it was always going to be close in Ohio. It's a you know closely divided state. You know, if you lose a couple of percentage points uh, that you normally would get or that, you know, Barack Obama got in 2012 and 2008 when he carried the state, uh, that could make a difference. Is Hillary Clinton going to carry Ohio? It's going to be close. Um, you know, the, the, the Clinton campaign uh, acknowledges that Donald Trump has some strength here, that you know, among, among the battleground states, you know, he might be doing better in states like Ohio and Iowa than he is in some of the other battleground states just because of the demographics in the state, you know, the number of older uh, white working class voters here, voters without a, a college degree. Um, so that's part of the challenge for the Clinton campaign. They sort of have to make up for whatever uh, uh, advantage that Trump might have in terms of appeal in the state with 
sort of this ground game where she does have an advantage and a, a more robust operation to sort of get her supporters to the polls. So, Mark, uh, the story talks about, and, uh, and many have, that uh, one thing that's obvious, y- younger you are, the less you tend to vote, period, okay? But it's also been an issue for Hillary Clinton, say, compared to Bernie Sanders, right, that she doesn't, that she, there's a worry about the millennial vote. So in some sense, you could say, uh, why worry about them anyway? They're not going to vote in as big as, big as numbers. You're maybe not going to, why not concentrate on the part of the population who's in the middle, a little more on the fence, who does tend to go to the polls and sway them to vote for you? I think they are doing that, but they also just can't ignore the millennial voting block. It's just such a large um, segment of the, the voting population now, larger than baby boomers, and, you know, large enough for to, to sway a race if it's close. And I think that's the concern, again, particularly in these battleground states, is if you have a very close race on the margin, these things like where millennials vote or their turnout in the African-American community is can help decide who wins the state. Can you tell us whether the government has decided to stay in business at least until middle of December? Congress uh, did send President Obama a stopgap spending bill on Wednesday uh, that's going to keep the government open uh, at least through December 9th. You know, they'll have to pick up after the election uh, in terms of what happens for the rest of the fiscal year. Uh, But there have been some you know, debate and concern about, you know, what Congress was going to do, uh, particularly when it came to funding for things like the Zika virus. There was some fight over whether um, that should be tied to restricting funding for Planned Parenthood, which Democrats oppose, for for example, uh, and some other issues uh, such as how to deal with funding for uh, lead abatement in places like Flint, uh, Michigan. Uh, and at the end, they sort of came to an agreement that, you know, if nothing else kicks the can down the road till after the election. So uh, will this become any kind of political football in the remaining weeks of the campaign? I don't think the funding of it will. Uh, you know, there might be still some discussion and arguments about things like, you know, should the federal government be paying for, you know, what ultimately are state or local problems like the Flint water crisis, um, which is blamed largely on action and inaction by the state and local authorities there. You know, some Republicans think, well, that's not really the federal government's job to step in and clean up the mess when it's not really a federal issue. Um, so you might see debate about that sort of in the abstract, but in terms of funding the government, uh, I think um, we're probably kicking this you know, beyond the election. Just quick final question. Do we know what Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump has said about that particular issue, funding local issues? I've seen that really addressed. I mean, they both talked about the need to deal with the problem, and uh, I think both have talked about, uh, you know, in terms of federal government being a partner, but I don't know if they've gotten into sort of the devil of detail of how much should be federal responsibility versus state or local. All right. We thank Mark Niquette joining us to talk politics, one of our favorite subject here. He's politics and national government reporter for Bloomberg News. I'm You're listening to Taking Stock. I'm Pim Fox. My co-host, of course, Kathleen Hayes. And this is Bloomberg.